What a start to the 2020 campaign, already marked by anger and division. As the president takes a victory lap post-impeachment, Democrats deal with the fallout from the caucus chaos in Iowa. We'll talk with Indiana Senator Mike Braun and Congressman Larry Bouchon, plus Mayor Joe Hogsett on his endorsement of former Mayor Pete Buttigieg and more controversy in Indy over the issue of crime. It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Good morning. After a week of momentous events, one thing is clear. The race for president is very much underway. Finally, after the chaos at the caucus, the results are in, for the most part, from Iowa, with former South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg essentially tied for the top spot in terms of the delegates. In a country that now seems more divided than ever, just look to last week's State of the Union address, coming just a day before the president was acquitted by the Senate. Here's a look at the week that was. Difficult days for Democrats after the chaos at the Iowa caucus. By all indications... We are going on to New Hampshire victorious. But in the end, the former mayor appears to be essentially neck and neck with Bernie Sanders. The day after the caucus, dramatic moments at the president's State of the Union address. Thank you very much. With Speaker Pelosi ripping up a copy of the president's speech. It was a manifesto of mistruths. Mr. Romney. The next day, President Trump's impeachment trial ends with the Senate voting to acquit. Acquitted of the charges in said articles. We went through hell, unfairly, did nothing wrong, did nothing wrong. But this is what the end result is. All right, what a week it was. Let's get reaction to everything happening in the nation's capital as we hear from several members of Indiana's congressional delegation on impeachment and the State of the Union. Well, I think he gave a great speech. I think he was optimistic about the future of America and what his plans are for that future. But he also went through what the administration has already accomplished. Look, for my area, the USMCA is really big. The economy is strong. Manufacturing jobs are coming back. And the unemployment low, low levels is really important to my district. So, in fact, they're low enough that we really actually need people to work. So I think it's an optimistic view of the future. And uh, I was really happy with the speech. You know, back in Indiana, he's created, uh, we have 3.2 percent uh, unemployment, 75,000 new jobs, and just a booming middle class economy. This is my last um, State of the Union as a member of Congress. It is, uh, and it's just exciting to hear about the progress that we've made in the last year, particularly with respect to the economy, um, with respect to low unemployment rates, you know, w with the trade deals that have uh, uh, that we've gotten done. And if last night wasn't enough, <laughs> just a little while ago, the United States Senate voted to acquit President Donald Trump of both articles of impeachment. You yourself have said you felt the call, while not I impeachable, was inappropriate. Should there be should there be any repercussions? Do you think the president should uh, apologize for all this in some form or fashion? I think you know every individual has their own unique style and presentation, and uh, understands uh, I think the constituents 
that he is uh, trying to address. Um, and I, I don't know what the president will do. Uh, I do know it was a case that didn't have the merit when it's that serious. I think Nikki Haley hit it on the head when she said impeachment, you know, if you convict, is the death sentence. I think we've evolved to this point in time from November of 2016. And we've also gotten into camps uh, in terms of uh, a lot of it comes down to just a dislike, I think, from some of the policy. And then, you know, it gets actually uh, a part of the individuals that are players in the process. Americans, Hoosiers are starving for common sense, practical solutions. And uh, I feel well equipped for that. That's why I came here. And I think we'll find a way to get it done. I really do. All right, on the other side of the aisle, Congressman Andre Carson said an acquittal means very little if the trial was rigged. He says the president betrayed the American people and violated his oath of office. Carson says, quote, Americans won't soon forget that. On the State of the Union, he said President Trump was simply not being honest with the American people on issues like health care and Social Security. While Republican Congressman Jim Banks said Speaker Pelosi ripping up the speech was, quote, disrespectful and uncalled for. All right, all of this setting the stage for 2020. At the State House this week, Second Lady Karen Pence helped deliver the paperwork to officially put the Trump campaign on the ballot in Indiana. And this is going to be a close race. It comes down to the wire every time, doesn't it? Every vote, every dollar, every phone call, every knock on the door could make the difference. The second lady's appearance happening amidst a very busy week there at the Secretary of State's office at the State House. Indianapolis Mayor Joe Hogsett was also there to file paperwork for the Buttigieg campaign, endorsing his campaign for president in a year where mayoral endorsements could potentially make a difference in the race for president and in other races on the ballot. Our Kayla Sullivan has more. So with great pride and with pleasure, I join with all of the volunteers who have worked so hard to put Pete's name on the ballot in the state of Indiana for the presidency of the United States. Indianapolis Mayor Joe Hogsett's endorsement is big for presidential candidate Pete Buttigieg in Indiana. Indiana may uh, be a decisive state come May with our primary. One of the biggest mayors so far uh, to endorse uh, Pete Buttigieg. Mayors endorsing candidates in general is becoming more popular. They're seen as sort of bipartisan, nonpartisan figures who really control a lot of political machinery within their own cities uh, that can really help get out the vote on Election Day. Republican Kelly Mitchell filed for the 5th Congressional District in Indiana. She says the fact she has mayoral support from her area is crucial to her campaign. Well, it's incredibly important. I mean, the 5th District is the place I'll represent in D.C., and, and so I need to know what's on the ground here. You know, I need to know what's happening here. I need to know the issues. I need to know the cares because I represent those in D.C. So it's not at, at all a distant connection. It's very, very close, and it needs to remain so. The majority of people who participated in our Twitter polls say a mayor's endorsement doesn't matter, but 30% say it depends on the mayor. Mayors connect with people. The people in your city don't care if you are a Democrat or Republican. They only care if there is a pothole in front of their house. Kayla Sullivan, Fox 59 News. Meantime, coming up, we're also hearing from another nearby mayor who's endorsing former Mayor Mike Bloomberg. 
with both former mayors in this presidential race really going after those mayoral endorsements all across the country. Meantime, Mayor Hogsett facing criticism this week dealing with a tragic quadruple murder just a day after the Democratic-led council rejected a Republican proposal to create a bipartisan commission to study violence. The idea that if we only had one more bureaucratic entity studying violence, then our problems would be solved. That is ludicrous. Where's the action and where's our leaders? And so I look forward to seeing it today. I was hopeful to see it this morning and it was made clear they have no plan. Now the FOP president and four area ministers are creating their own citizens commission on criminal justice. Up next this Sunday in Focus, we're talking with our panel about the State of the Union, the speech itself, but also the state of our nation. So incredibly divided in this election year. We'll talk about that and we'll take you to the State House, where lawmakers return tomorrow for the second half of the legislative session. We're back after this. Welcome back. Let's bring in our panel right now. 2016 vice chair for the Indiana Trump campaign, Tony Samuel, and former communications director for the Indiana Democrats, Jennifer Wagner. What a consequential week in politics, like nothing uh, we've seen in a long time between the Iowa caucuses, obviously, and the, all of the difficulties there with the results uh, still in flux as they re-canvass the State of the Union, the impeachment acquittal. How bad a week was this for Democrats? Well, when you put it that way, Dan, I don't really know how I can answer the question positively. No, um, uh, Iowa is a mess. Uh, I'm very grateful to be the former Indiana Democratic spo uh, spokesperson as opposed to Iowa because that's just a complete disaster. Um, the State of the Union, I thought, was a complete disaster as well. But honestly, for both sides, uh, it just the president looked like he was play acting. I don't like what the speaker did with his speech. I just think it was a wash. And, uh, yeah, the acquittal is the acquittal. I mean, he gets to take a victory lap. And he did uh, Thursday at the White House. Uh, is, is this the most divisive time in politics uh, you've ever seen at the national level? At the national level in Washington, um, yeah, I think it is. Uh, and I, I, I blame Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats and the impeach, impeachment witch hunt. And before that, the Russian investigation hoax. I think everything has come around. Uh, the way that it should have for President Trump. He gave a great speech. The American people know about his accomplishments, and he, he stated them, listed them, had great stories, great guests up in the, in the gallery. There's that moment, obviously, yeah. after the speech where Speaker Pelosi uh, ripped up the copy of the speech. Obviously, that's going to be kind of a lasting image. Uh, how does that set us up for the year ahead in any way uh, in terms of electoral impact of, of impeachment, of, of the moments we saw at State of the Union? What, does it mean anything moving forward? This I mean, year? I think that that moment crystallizes where we are, right? She could have just ripped it up and thrown it into the dumpster fire that is national politics right now. Um, I think about that moment. Um, my 12-year-old daughter watched part of the speech, had to go to bed because it was up too late, and she asked me about it, and I said, oh, this happened. She goes, oh, I love that so much. I said, no, it's really not that great. It's really pretty disrespectful for our democracy. Both sides, neither side, really did what was right, and, and that's, that's what sets the stage for the next few months. I mean, that's what we're getting into here. Is there any risk the president uh, now acts in a way that, that exudes too much confidence, that, that might end up hurting him in the end. I don't I, think so. Just, because, just going back to the fact yeah. that the Ukraine phone call happened the day after 
the, the testimony in the Mueller report that seemed to, to move him past that. Sure. Uh, he's always confident, and, and I think he'll just stay at the same level, and he's always going to talk about his, uh, the results that he's getting for the American people. What that ripping up of the speech actually shows, it shows three years of Democrats not having their own plans. Nobody will remember this, but back in mid-2017, Democrats came out with a, what they called a better deal. But they never focused on it. Nobody's heard of it. They didn't, they didn't come out with any real plans, and they only relied on the Mueller investigation and then the impeachment hoax. And now what you see when he's listing off all of the successes, it just frustrated her to no end, and then she had no, uh, nothing else she could say or do about it but rip up the speech. It was really petty. You're a great mom, and, and that's exactly the way I think parents should handle it. Um, but unfortunately, so many others out there might think that that's okay. It's not okay. You were saying a moment ago uh, that uh, you felt she did it because of the speech's political overtones. Obviously, a lot's been made of that yeah, as well. Yeah, absolutely. The, the speech was completely political. You don't give a Medal of Honor to Rush Limbaugh in the middle of the speech. Yes, what Nancy Pelosi did was to stick that in Donald Trump's eye after he, you know, gave a Medal of Honor to Rush Limbaugh, which was a direct poke in Democrat side. That's all this was. It was a back and forth of just who can outdo whom. Let's talk uh, about Iowa as we pull up the map. We've been looking at these numbers. The numbers were slow to come in, obviously incredibly slow. A and then you had DNC Chair Tom Perez say, enough is enough in a tweet this past week. We're going to re-canvas the results from Iowa. Obviously, a lot of attention paid to the process. About a year ago, Tom Perez was here in this studio talking about the need to have a transparent and fair process in the Democratic primary. And our goal at the DNC is very simple. Uh, we want to make sure the process is fair for everyone involved. And what we have to make sure is that everybody feels like their candidate got a fair shake. Are you concerned at all coming out of this about how all of this, uh, this will look, not just in terms of, of the incompetence of the vote count in Iowa, but in terms of people wondering about the results? Absolutely. Um, you had one job, Iowa. You had one job and four years to prepare for it, and you screwed it up. Of course that's going to have people calling into question whether or not this is a real process. Now, I'm of the opinion that Iowa probably doesn't need to be first in the nation anymore. We'll and it may not be anymore. <laughs> you know, you I mess mean, it, it really might not be. Yeah, and, and probably that's the right move. But right now, you've got Pete Buttigieg declaring victory. You've had Bernie Sanders declaring victory. It's basically a tie yeah, from it what is. it seems. But no one really knows. In terms of the delegate share. Yeah, uh, but no but one knows. But it could be re It could still change. Yeah. You had that a couple years ago in the GOP caucus in Iowa where, what was it, a week later or so, they said, no, actually, Rick Santorum won. That kind of took away the momentum. Does that do the same here for former Mayor Buttigieg, who had all these votes been counted Monday night, yeah. might have picked up a little bit more steam? I think so. He answer. would have had more steam. But he's still doing well. I think the real story here is Joe Biden fading. Although fourth Joe place. Biden's fourth place, he still could come back in South Carolina. But if he doesn't, he's just about done at that point. The other story here is the Republicans that came out for President Trump. They didn't have to. He didn't really have any serious competition, as you know, but it was a great turnout for, for President Trump there. Where does this leave the Democratic field, do you think, and how big of a moment was this for the former mayor of South Bend to at least maybe tie in Iowa, if not win? I think it was a big deal for Pete. I still do. Um, you know, I was talking to a friend about the fact that the former mayor of South Bend, Indiana, whom I've known for more than 10 years, just won or potentially won Iowa as a presidential candidate. That's amazing. That's phenomenal. And not to be overlooked. 
but it's overshadowed by this other controversy. And, and how about uh, the Bloomberg campaign? We're going to be talking about them more in a minute. Buying a lot of ads, and they're looking at this Iowa situation thinking maybe there is an opening here uh, to win on Super Tuesday or at least pick up a lot of delegates after this mess in Iowa. It could be anyone. It could be Bloomberg in the end. I still think that it'll go to the convention without uh, a decision until that convention. Uh, he's spending a lot of money. Tom Steyer's also spending a lot of money and got nothing out of it, so I would see him dropping out fairly soon. Do you think that's a possibility, a contested convention? I absolutely do, and hopefully we do a better job of brokering that than we have the Iowa caucuses. You had uh, Mayor Buttigieg picking up uh, the endorsement of Mayor Hogsett we mentioned earlier. You also had uh, Mayor Bloomberg picking up an endorsement from an Indiana celebrity this week, as you'll see here. town America dreams hold fast this video from Indiana's own John Mellencamp now part of the latest ad for Mike Bloomberg's presidential campaign with Mellencamp now endorsing Bloomberg in the race for president this week I spoke with one of Bloomberg's campaign co-chairs Louisville Mayor Greg Fisher thanks for joining us just down the road in Louisville not far you are from Seymour as well John Mellencamp obviously from a small town here in Indiana. Why do you think th this appeal, uh, this video, will have appeal uh, to voters nationwide? Well, uh, yeah, it's great that John Cougar Mellencamp's uh, come on board. He has so many f followers, and he sees in Mike what most everybody else sees, that he's a guy that can get it done for everybody, whether it's in rural America or metropolitan areas. And, you know, he's proven that time and time again as a, as a business person, as a three-term mayor of New York, and as a philanthropist. So, the momentum behind the campaign is, is really, really strong. John Mellencamp may be from a small town, but as you pointed out, Mayor Bloomberg uh, is not. He was mayor of the largest city in the United States. Yeah. Tell me about your decision to support him. Obviously, there's another mayor in this race, a mayor from Indiana, Mayor Pete Buttigieg. In terms of that uh, mayoral lane, tell me about your decision to back, back Mayor Bloomberg over Mayor Buttigieg. Well, I've been in the trenches with uh, Mike Bloomberg for about eight years or so, and, and the breadth and depth of quality in his organization, you know, whether it was at City Hall and his business and his philanthropy, really is just unparalleled. And when you put together his biography, we've never really had a candidate like this before. I think Mike is a transformational candidate. Uh, I have a lot of admiration and friendship with uh, Mayor Pete. Uh, but they're just two very different resumes just because, you know, their life experience is different. But we've never seen anybody like Mike that can come along that's not just speaks about all of these issues that are so important to so many Americans. It could be income inequality or gun safety or climate, women's rights. But he's done it. He's funded these issues, both as mayor and with his philanthropies, and he's gotten outstanding results. And I think most importantly, Dan, we need somebody that can bring our country together. And Mike's experience with building a you know, big global business, running a big government, the city of New York, um, demonstrates that he knows how to do that. More of that interview on Fox59.com. By the way, coming up next here on Fox 59, Mayor Pete Buttigieg sits down with Chris Wallace ahead of the New Hampshire primary. Stick around. We're back right after this. Here at the touchscreen today to talk about why this Iowa situation is so interesting and to show you the map here, county by county, these light blue counties, cities like Des Moines and Cedar Rapids, that's where Bernie Sanders is winning. While the light green counties, the eastern, the northern parts of Iowa, more rural parts of the state, 
That's where Pete Buttigieg has been in front. And when you look at the total delegate share, it has been so incredibly close. And a lot of these numbers could still change. You've got Pete Buttigieg just barely ahead of Bernie Sanders there in terms of the delegates that they'll win coming out of Iowa. But let's take a look at this because obviously this is interesting. A lot of people are talking about how Buttigieg has the lead there. But when you look at the overall popular vote, Sanders with a lead of about 2,500 votes, and they're still going to be re-canvassing a lot of this. These numbers could change. They're going to be constantly in flux even for the next few days as they re-canvass and look at all of these results from Iowa. Here's something else that's kind of interesting. They have those satellite voting sites as well all across the country, even around the world, where Iowans who happen to be somewhere else can vote in, let's say, Florida or, or Illinois. Well, they've got those satellite voting districts down here. They haven't counted all of them just yet, but a lot of those have been Bernie Sanders districts. You see this one here, Satellite County 101. He picked up 50% of the vote there, while Pete Buttigieg barely picked up just four votes in this entire satellite district. And so those extra votes that are now being counted in some of those extra satellite districts are making it oh so close there in Iowa. Of course, after Iowa, it's on to New Hampshire. We've got the New Hampshire primary coming up on Tuesday night, and then Nevada and South Carolina. So we're going to be counting votes in New Hampshire, perhaps while we're still recounting and recanvassing the numbers out in Iowa. It's been quite a situation. It'll continue to be a fluid situation, but we'll continue to watch it for you right here. All right, meantime, the legislative session continues tomorrow as Indiana lawmakers return for the second half of this year's session while the House bills move to the Senate and vice versa as lawmakers try to finish this year's legislation by mid-March. All right, much more on our website. Stick around. We're back right after this. All right, time for this week's winners and losers. Tony. It's never been easier to pick President Trump as the winner this week for a great speech and also winners, all the folks he highlighted in the gallery. Loser, obviously, Nancy Pelosi for what she did ripping up the speech. Jennifer. My winner has to be Mayor Pete. A uh, heck of a showing in Iowa despite all the controversy there. And loser has also never been easier, the Iowa Democratic Party and the mm -hmm. Iowa caucuses. Yeah, certainly a mess there. Much more to come on Fox News Sunday. Stick around. We'll see you next week. Thanks for watching. Let's bring in our panel right now, 2016 Vice Chair for the Indiana Trump Campaign, Tony Samuel, and former Communications Director for the Indiana Democrats, Jennifer Wagner. What a consequential week in politics, like nothing uh, we've seen in a long time between the Iowa caucuses, obviously, and the, all of the difficulties there with the results uh, still in flux as they re-canvass. The State of the Union, the impeachment acquittal. How bad a week was this for Democrats? Well, when you put it that way, Dan, I don't really know how I can answer the question positively. No, um, uh, Iowa is a mess. Uh, I'm very grateful to be the former Indiana Democratic sp uh, spokesperson as opposed to Iowa because that's just a complete disaster. Um, the State of the Union, I thought, was a complete disaster as well. But honestly, for both sides, uh, it just... The president looked like he was play-acting. I don't like what the speaker did with his speech. I just think it was a wash. And, uh, yeah, the acquittal is the acquittal. I mean, he gets to take a victory lap. And he did uh, Thursday at the White House. Uh, is, 
Is this the most divisive time in politics uh, you've ever seen at the national level? At the national level in Washington, um, yeah, I think it is. Uh, and I, I, I blame Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats and the impeach, impeachment witch hunt. And before that, the Russian investigation hoax. I think everything has come around uh, the way that it should have for President Trump. He gave a great speech. The American people know about his accomplishments, and he, he stated them. List of them had great stories, great guests up in the in the gallery. There's that moment, obviously, yeah. after the speech where Speaker Pelosi uh, ripped up the copy of the speech. Obviously, that's going to be kind of a lasting image. Uh, how does that set us up for the year ahead in any way uh, in terms of electoral impact of, of impeachment, of, of the moments we saw at State of the Union? What, does it mean anything moving forward this I mean, year? I think that, that moment crystallizes where we are, right? She could have just ripped it up and thrown it into the dumpster fire that is national politics right now. Um, I think about that moment, um, my 12-year-old daughter watched part of the speech, had to go to bed because it was up too late, and she asked me about it, and I said, oh, this happened. She goes, oh, I love that so much. I said, no, it's really not that great. It's really pretty disrespectful for our democracy. Both sides, neither side, really did what was right, and, and that's, that's what sets the stage for the next few months. I mean, that's what we're getting into here. Is there any risk the president uh, now acts in a way that, that exudes too much confidence, that, that might end up hurting him in the end. I don't I, think so. Just, just going back to the fact yeah. that the Ukraine phone call happened the day after uh, the, the testimony in the Mueller report that seemed to, to move him past that. Sure. Uh, he's always confident, and, and I think he'll just stay at the same level, and he's always going to talk about his, uh, the results that he's getting for the American people. What that ripping up of the speech actually shows, it shows three years of Democrats not having their own plans. Nobody will remember this, but back in mid-2017, Democrats came out with a, what they called a better deal. But they never focused on it. Nobody's heard of it. They didn't, they didn't come out with any real plans, and they only relied on the Mueller investigation and then the impeachment hoax. And now what you see when he's listing off all of the successes, it just frustrated her to no end, and then she had no, uh, nothing else she could say or do about it but rip up the speech. It was really petty. You're a great mom, and, and that's exactly the way I think parents should handle it. Um, but unfortunately, so many others out there might think that that's okay. It's not okay. You were saying a moment ago uh, that uh, you felt she did it because of the speech's political overtones. Obviously, a lot's been made of that yeah, as well. Yeah, absolutely. The, the speech was completely political. You don't give a Medal of Honor to Rush Limbaugh in the middle of the speech. Yes, what Nancy Pelosi did was to stick that in Donald Trump's eye after he, you know, gave a Medal of Honor to Rush Limbaugh, which was a direct poke in Democrat side. That's all this was. It was a back and forth of just who can outdo whom. Let's talk uh, about Iowa as we pull up the map. We've been looking at these numbers. The numbers were slow to come in, obviously, incredibly slow. A and then you had DNC Chair Tom Perez say, enough is enough in a tweet this past week. We're going to re-canvas <laughs> the results from Iowa. Obviously, a lot of attention paid to the process. About a year ago, Tom Perez was here in this studio talking about the need to have a transparent and fair process in the Democratic primary. Are you concerned at all coming out of this about how all of this, uh, this will look, not just in terms of, of the incompetence of the vote count in Iowa, but in terms of people wondering about the results? Absolutely. Um, you had one job, Iowa. You had one job and four years to prepare for it, and you screwed it up. Of course that's going to have people calling into question whether or not this is a real process. 
Now, I'm of the opinion that Iowa probably doesn't need to be first in the nation anymore. We'll and it may not be anymore. <laughs> you know, you I mean, it, it really might not be. Yeah, and, and probably that's the right move. But right now, you've got Pete Buttigieg declaring victory. You've had Bernie Sanders declaring victory. It's basically a tie. Yeah, it from is. From what it seems. But no one really knows. In terms of the delegate share. Yeah, uh, but no but one knows. But it could knows be and, It could still change. Yeah. You had that a couple years ago in the GOP caucus in Iowa where, what was it, a week later or so, they said, no, actually, Rick Santorum won. That kind of took away the momentum. Does that do the same here for former Mayor Buttigieg, who had all these votes been counted Monday night, yeah. might have picked up a little bit more steam? I think so. He would have had more steam. But he's still doing well. I think the real story here is Joe Biden fading. Although fourth Joe place. Biden's fourth place, he still could come back in South Carolina. But if he doesn't, he's just about done at that point. The other story here is the Republicans that came out for President Trump. They didn't have to. He didn't really have any serious competition, as you know, but it was a great turnout for, for President Trump there. Where does this leave the Democratic field, do you think, and how big of a moment was this for the former mayor of South Bend to at least maybe tie in Iowa, if not win? I think it was a big deal for Pete. I still do. Um, you know, I was talking to a friend about the fact that the former mayor of South Bend, Indiana, whom I've known for more than 10 years, just won or potentially won Iowa as a presidential candidate. That's amazing. That's phenomenal. And not to be overlooked. But it's overshadowed by this other controversy. All right, time for this week's winners and losers. Tony. It's never been easier to pick President Trump as the winner this week. He gave a great speech and, and also winners, uh, all the folks that he highlighted up in the gallery. Loser, obviously, Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, for doing what she did. Jennifer. Uh, my winner has to be Pete Buttigieg. Despite all the controversy in Iowa, I think that's a heck of a finish. And my loser has to be the Iowa Democratic Party and the Iowa caucuses. Yeah, big mess there in Iowa. All right, we have an all-new edition of In Focus with more content coming up on Fox 59 at 930. We'll see you then. Have a great weekend.